And speaking of business, I mean, that just has so many uh, definitions as far as the potential far-reaching implications of what's going on, because it affects everybody. I mean, that's what is so unique about this situation. It's not just a pandemic that we're reading about across the world. It has so many implications on various uh, parts of society. And when we talk about business, we as sports fans, on kind of a less important note, obviously, Think about the business side of sports and how that is going to be impacted. And with the NBA shutdown, the NHL, college sports at this time, I'm starting to wonder even if we're going to be ready in time for football season in September. I mean, that really is a lingering, uh, right? It's a lingering issue that I'm starting uh, to let sink in, unfortunately. Matt, what are the chances, in your opinion, that we actually have an NFL and college football season in 2020? I think we don't. Uh, I think we don't. And, and, you know, here's what scares me about not having sports. Uh, Football, it's actually not about the football. I mean, I know, Joe, you love football as much as anyone else, and so do I, but uh, I worry about the other college sports specifically, right? Because college football is what drives women's soccer and, and swim teams and, and volleyball and uh i mean when it comes to i mean it's the the core three right men's football men's baseball men's basketball brings in like 95 percent of the revenue for all the other sports to operate so if you don't have football we will survive my question i guess to you is kind of what's your thoughts on the impact on the other sports if we don't have football no that's a very uh Good question, because I can remember when I was in law school at Ole Miss uh, taking a sports law class and just seeing firsthand the revenue that um, the college football team at Ole Miss brought in and how, you know, that supported so many other sports on campus. Um, I know that the softball teams at most uh, Division One universities do not even um, accept a ticket or they, they don't charge for tickets to get into games. It's admission free. And so you are looking at a lot of sports that just are not generating revenue and wondering how they're going to be able to exist long term. I mean, you would think that football could be back in 2021, but the other sports may never be able to recover. And speaking of never being able to recover, also have concerns about the people whose livelihood is largely invested in these college towns having sports teams. I think about small towns like Startful and Oxford, uh, where they have football and, you know, the college town, everything in that city revolves around the students being back in town, uh, the sports teams coming into town. It's just such um, an integral part of those societies. And if you take that away, how will the small small businesses be able to last? how will you know people that work at the stadiums, they're not going to have a job? Uh, there, there are just so many crazy, scary implications. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, right? I mean, when you talk about these small businesses, and specifically in, in college towns, they may work all, all year long and focus on the fall, right? They, like all year, they just may carry their business until they can get to the fall when every Friday and Saturday you're bringing in 50 to 100 extra thousand fans, uh, you know, to stay at their hotel or to eat at their restaurant or whatever the case may be. So for those small businesses, what happens, right? I mean, it's huge implications. And I think uh, the same thing can be said with a bunch of cities, right? Some of these major cities, you know, like uh, 
Look at a, a Salt Lake City. I mean, the NBA is, is their biggest attraction there. Look at Denver, right? I mean, you have baseball, you have football, you have hockey. I mean, Denver is a sports town. And so what happens when, the you know, your big revenue driver is no longer there? It, it, I'm telling you, there's some really scary things when you, when you start thinking about what six months out looks like and we're still dealing with this virus. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I have had a lot of text message conversations about the virus, and I still cannot really get a good read on what exactly my feel and opinion is and perspective on what's going on. Because to play devil's advocate, there's a part of me, you know, that sees what's going on in society and shutting down everything. It does on some level feel like an overreaction at times. But then you have people who I can, you know, understand or, you know, calling for the lives that we're saving by social distancing, the precautions that we have to take because this is an unknown virus. But you look at the statistics and I just can't get past the fact, Matt, that it doesn't necessarily correspond with a total shutdown. I could understand, you know, if the statistics were higher, but I just go back and forth with struggling with digesting exactly what's going on in the impacts that are going to be far reaching going forward. Um, what are your thoughts on that take? Yeah. So I'm right there with you. Right. And to me, it, what makes this so crazy is it's not black and white, you know, like uh, most communicable diseases, it's, it's black and white, you either have it or you don't. Right. And, and kind of you get the same symptoms as the last person that had it, you can see that in all the different pandemic science fiction, you know, ironically speaking, movies uh, that are out there. But um, in this case, this thing like just it, it stays dormant. You're right. It, and, and some people get extreme symptoms and some people don't get any symptoms. Whereas you can see if you get on, get on uh, YouTube, you can find different videos of like in, in Korea and China and Iran and all these places where people are just dropping dead on the street, right? But then you look to Doris Burke, who was tested, I saw yesterday, she was tested on March 17th, and she finally got her results yesterday, so what, 11 days later, she had tested positive, and she wasn't really having any symptoms. So how do you know when everyone is okay, can come out of hiding, and we can resume something like a college football game at University of Florida with 100,000, 120,000 fans in the stands. I, I don't know. It's just crazy. Well, just to speculate, and this goes back to the article I referenced earlier from The Atlantic that I was reading the other day, trying to get an idea for the timeline that we're looking at. My understanding is that what we're doing now with the social distancing is really just um, allowing the hospitals not to be overrun with patients Based on my understanding, this degree of social distancing that we're practicing without a, a total shutdown, I mean, obviously a lot of people are at home, but you still see plenty of people, you know, that are um, being around humans every day. I mean, it's not a complete, you know, martial law shutdown, obviously. Right. So with this kind of intermittent level of uh, social distancing, I don't think this is going to be able to end the pandemic. My understanding, reading the article, is that the pandemic will only end um, if three things were to happen. Number one, a miracle, basically, where we find out the virus is just not as bad as we thought it was, and the doctors and scientists are wrong. Number two, you just basically unleash humans back into normalcy. 
um, get rid of the social distancing guidelines and everybody either gets the virus or they don't and people develop potentially a natural immunity. And then option three is that this social distancing has to continue until a vaccine is developed. And it's hard for me to see a scenario playing out outside of the latter two options. Right. No, I agree. And I think um, for some guidance there, I think you look to Bill Gates, right? So he's, he's, he's basically devoted his whole life since making windows to, to trying to solve pandemics in the world. And I saw, I saw an interview with him and he said, you're talking right now a minimum of eight to 10 weeks of social distancing before we can even think about getting back to normalcy. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I kind of look at that kind of when, when I think about how long we're going to be doing this, I say, okay, so what, 10 weeks is two and a half months and, and we're in April. So, um, May, June, July, right, is when I'm thinking that, that we can possibly get things uh, going again sometime in July. But like you said, there's there's three options, and I, I don't know which one is, is going to be the route that we kind of take. It's definitely a difficult outlook for society right now. But on a positive note, you know, Matt and I are going to be here to hopefully make these times more entertaining for you at the very least. We do have that to offer. You know, we're not scientists, we're not doctors, but we do, I feel like, as uh, um, experienced public speakers, both of us did debate. Um, I feel like, you know, we can at least um, hopefully give you some semblance of a healthy distraction during these times. Uh, still working on a name for this podcast. Um, the plan basically is for us to keep doing this um, for the time being, uh, have these conversations about what's going on with the corona lockup and social distancing, and would really like to um, talk about all kinds of topics on this show, um, bring on some guests, uh, interview people. You know, we're not able to have face-to-face communication, but why can't we at least have a uh, communication over the phone absolutely healthy dialogue and uh it'll it'll ease the pain of being isolated and and you know hopefully we can drive some conversation right absolutely well matt um thank you so much for joining me for this first episode and look forward to working with you and really excited about uh the potential for this podcast yep let's do it all right we will talk to everybody soon